Congratulations! Well, 25 I'm... episodes. Yes, we're a quarter of a podcast century old. <laughs> Many said it wouldn't be done. Yeah, me. me yeah, being take the that more go and take that more <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, welcome everyone to episode 25 or episode 4 of season 3. Um, it is a bit of a milestone because yeah. I genuinely yeah. didn't know that we'd get here, but th- thank you all for tuning in for this. For those of you just joining us, I'm Marco. I'm Tarek. And at the Page One Podcast, we speak to authors, screenwriters, comic writers, video game writers, any type of writer, to try and find out about their writing process, talk to them about their work, and get hints and tips. Um, and who have we got on this week, Derek? This week we have Jonathan Whitelaw. Uh, he worked in politics up in Scotland, and he then moved into journalism, and he's covered a variety of stuff, you know, breaking news, the arts, culture, sport, fashion, radioactive waste, I believe was a big one. <laughs> There you go. Very varied. <laughs> um, and uh, people might recognise his face. He's a talking head on shows for the BBC and STV. Yep. And uh, he is also, obviously, an author, which More is why, he's an author. <laughs> why we've got him on the show. Um, so his debut novel was Morbid Relations, which was a darkly comic tale about a struggling Scottish comedian. And he followed that up with what was the first of a series of books that's become yeah. uh, Hell Corp, which, in which the devil sets up a company to look after the sins of the world while he has a vacation. As, a, as you say, it's a series now. There's a couple of books. Yeah, there's a couple of books, and I think he's working on the next one, as mm-hmm. he, he says in the podcast. Um, and yeah, like I say, they're sort of darkly comic. Yeah. Um, but there, there is definitely a mystery crime element it's, it's, to it as it's well. A kind of a- there's a murder mystery element to it. There's, mm-hmm. a, you know, there's a crime to be solved, uh, yeah. running through the kind of you know like, like a good omens type story. Yeah. That, that so kind of we we speak to Jonathan about how he came up with that idea and and why he came up with it and um, about his writing process and what it's like to you know work as a journalist during the day and then come home and write fiction mm-hmm. at night and also the route that he got his books published is an interesting one because he didn't use an agent at all. Yeah. Just yeah. went straight to publishers. So again, I think for those out there wanting to go it alone, you should get a lot of good tips and advice yeah. from Mr. Whitelaw. Yeah, and the one thing I just wanted to say is that um, the Skype call that we had with Jonathan, the sound quality wasn't ideal, so there is a bit of poor sound in parts of the interview, but we've cleaned it up a lot. Stay tuned at the end. Don't forget, because we are going to announce the winner of the Dave Cook competition. Yeah. So you'll win a copy of Killtopia, signed by the author, as well as... The page one page notebook. One. More importantly, of course, which the page is, one notebook. Which is, the real uh, reason why people enter these companies. Exactly, which is the, the, the notebook we designed for writers divided into sections. Uh, we talk about it all the time. <laughs> but we also have another competition launching. We do. At the end of the podcast, stay tuned, not only just for the results of the Dave Cook one, but there is a new competition happening uh, where you can win one of Jonathan's books. And we'll tell you more about that at the end of the podcast. See you then. We always start these podcasts with a very general question, which is, did you always want to be a writer? Was writing always your passion? Uh, yeah, I think it was. I think it, I, the, this is one of those questions that always sort of pops up when, um, when I'm doing sort of blog tours and stuff like that and, and, and you know, live events and things. And it's actually one of those things that until I was published, um, I hadn't really thought about. Uh, so I, I kind of grew up um, always coming up with stories and things like that. 
for my Star Wars figures. Star Wars fan, Lego and things like that. I used to act them out, obviously. You, know, you have the X-Wing and Falcon. Um, so, invariably, when I would, my parents took me abroad, went holiday and things like that, I wasn't able to take them with me. So, I used to sit and, and come up with what I would do when I got home. So, I would write it down, but I would write it in the, in the form of, you know, like a, a, sort of, a sort of narrative. And, of course, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't anything usually original. Obviously, it wasn't. I was... No, I, was, I was only 18 at the time, you know. <laughs> like, but, uh, but yeah, it was a uh, yeah, and, and always, always, obviously, you still getting the kind of creative challenges in in school, primary school, and stuff like that. It wasn't wasn't really until I, I was 16, 17 that I started properly, you know, doing doing writing, as they say. And mm-hmm. and, and I remember um, my parents moved house maybe about I think actually it was coming up with me almost a year ago. And they were clearing out all their, all, uh, all my crap from a, from the garage and, and, and the, the, the attic. And they came across this sort of almost treasure trove of my, my work from, from school. And in it was a, a CD that had like five or six different versions of this, this, you know, you know, this story that I've been working on when I was 16, 17. And I looked at it and oh my God, it was dreadful. <laughs> We've all, got those. we've all got those. We've all got those working Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Talk about skeletons in the closet. <laughs> this was bad fiction in the in the attic. Um, but I, I mean, the thing was, it was it was one hundred and twenty thousand words. It was the worst oh, matchup: wow. Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, and a little bit of Die Hard in there as well. And that sounds pretty good, isn't it? I've sold it. I've sold it hey, since, since I got it back. I've sold it more now in, in <laughs> social media than I ever did when I was when I was in. But the thing about it was, it, it it kind of taught me. It taught me the discipline of sitting down and, and actually, you know, working something out, working out plot points, characters. Don't get me wrong; it was absolutely absolutely rubbish. But it, it but the, what I learned from it, discipline wise, to, to to get that amount of work down on the on the one page. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm still, I'm still using the technique yeah. that, I, that I do. You know, I, I had fantastic support, fantastic support from, from teachers and stuff like that. And really, I've, I've been writing ever since. I've been, I've been kind of trying to, trying to write as much fiction as, as I, as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're, you're, uh, you obviously took that, that love of writing into your job because you're a journalist by, by trade. Is that right? That is, that's right. Yeah. And it's, it's a um, very, very different, a very, mm-hmm. very, very, approach i'm a i'm kind of lucky enough i I, i'm a digital journalist i've spent like the last 10 years as a a digital journalist i've kind of written for print as well um and i kind of freelance basis but it's it's, it's 1995 percent in digital and the nature of being a digital journalist uh, nowadays is that one minute you can be writing about um well i'll I'll give you an example at work today i was was working one moment on a, a rangers um legal wrangle that's been going on with the, the kit maker Hummel and Mike Ashley Sports Direct. Yeah. And next minute it was a it was a little bit celebrity with Edinburgh's favourite Euro Millions winner James Park. You know? <laughs> it, 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 it genuinely does it can change in the blink of an eye. It's 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 variety it's at least. Yeah. Yeah absolutely. Yeah I, 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 absolutely yeah, you know again in, in sort of hindsight maybe if I, I it's what so I've always had the, the kind of treatment towards journalism is that I have a massive, massive passion for it, and yeah. ultimately it puts food on the table. And 
and I don't mind trying to turn my hand to anything really that's gonna that's gonna pay the bills, you know. And if that means that I'm I'm writing um you know gossip sled gossip stories or it's hard hitting political stuff or it's breaking news or it's some terrible court case, then so be it. You know, it's it's just the way you got to be, unfortunately. In this, yeah. in this it's, no, it's, good, it's good to embrace it. And and I suppose you'll gain a lot of skills from that, I'd imagine, because you're you're having to write to deadlines and you're having to hit word counts every you know by X o'clock. You need to have written so much, and so that that must be quite useful in your when you come to writing it, books. It is, yeah, it is. It's um the, the very very different very very different worlds the, the kind of literary world and, and and journalism, but in particular digital journalism. Um, you know the the, the kind of I I do a lot of training. Um, for people that come in, uh, that are maybe new to journalism, sort of all, you know, and it can vary from, from kids that are uh, sometimes still, still, you know, first year at university, first year mm. college, to older, uh, journalists who predominantly come from a print background. And, mm. and the first thing we always say, or I always say as part of the training program is that time will always be your enemy. You know, there's, there's no, there's, there's no real deadline when it comes to, comes to digital journalism because it all moves so fast and, and you need to, it, 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 because it's such a competitive environment, you know, if you're not first with a story, if you're not first with a breaking story, if you're not first with, with something that you're working on, um, then, then you can, you see a massive, massive difference in the, in the sort of traffic that you get to the website, that you get traffic, get the story, particularly if your competitors are, are faster on it. Mm-hmm. And for what better expression, pardon the language, if they're shit hot or shit hotter than you at it, then, then you do notice the difference, you know? Yeah. Um, Whereas in the in the literary world, it's 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 a lot more it's that relaxed. The pace isn't isn't the right term. It's because it's all relative, I suppose. But it you know you you, you still invariably, or I still invariably find myself you know, on deadline if I if I've got edits to do, if I've got you know first drafts to work on, or, or anything. You still find yourself kind of running towards it. But it's you know you're talking scales of weeks, weeks yeah. and months, as opposed to seconds and, and, and minutes, really. And how is it, how do you find it, um, obviously you're writing during the day for the journalism side of things and then obviously you have to go home and sort of switch your your literary brain on and and then write your books or or work on edits or whatever. Does Does that come easily to you? Because, you know, doing, you know, we we all love writing, but if you do it all day, every day, and then... Suddenly, you have to then say, "Right, I'm now going to write some fiction." Do you not want a break from it sometimes? Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's it, it's hard. It's again, it's it's one of these things that I, I try not to overthink it. You know, um, although that, <laughs> that that said, I don't think I've ever been accused of overthinking anything. Right, <laughs> that, that, that's a, that's a that's a completely different podcast. Um, <laughs> I, I think the uh, I I, th- I think you're right. I think I think it is a switch and. And there have been times in the past where where it's it's it has actually felt like the switch has gone off or the switch won't go off. Mm-hmm. The switch between the two of them, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I used to I used to sort of treat it. I used to sort of treat my journalism work um, almost as a warm up, you know. Like yeah, I, I do I do a lot of kind of early starts and things like that. And depending on what you're doing, you know, it was it, it, it could have been treated as almost like doing. You know, a twenty minute warm up before you hit the hit the gym, kind of good and proper, do a bit of cardio and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but as the older I've got, and the and the kind of different type of stories that I'm doing, it's 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 felt more and more and more like you know you just don't get a warm up. It's just two gym sessions, and it can be can be very very brutal. It can be 
again, I, I get I get a lot of joy out of it, and I think I think that's probably one of the I think that's probably what makes it work for me is that I I, I have a passion for both of them, mm-hmm. and, and they are maybe equal at times, you know. And and listen, it's not it's not to say it's not to say there aren't days where where you wake up and think, oh, the last thing I want to be doing is 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 editing seventy thousand words. Yeah. of a manuscript that needs to be done next week or vice versa, you know, you, you, you know, who, who, everybody wakes up and doesn't necessarily want to go to work that morning. Yeah. It happens, and it happens in both elements of it. And, and I always I always kind of say that I I do feel like I'm a full-time journalist and a full-time writer because because it's essentially all that I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's what I do, and I do it because I enjoy it. You know? So um, the first book that you that you've written, Morbid Relations. Uh, how did that come about? Well, that was that that, that was really a, a an idea I had. So it came it came out in twenty fifteen, and actually, I'm talking about sort of writing techniques and things. Mm-hmm. I say I'm originally from Glasgow, but um, my my now wife she uh, she got a job through in Edinburgh, and she's a psychiatrist, so. We, we ended up moving through, but I was still working in, in Glasgow at the time, so I was commuting uh, on the train. They thought, but by then, I mean, this is this is what six years ago, something like that, now five six years ago. Um, so back then, it was it was sort of fifty five minutes on the train first thing in the morning, and then same again at night. So I, I used to I used to just sit and plug in and, and write for those for those two hours a day, five six days a week. Mm-hmm. And I, I got I got the idea, and I had written the first draft of it in six weeks. Wow. Oh, wow, that's very fast. What became what became the the the, the final you know after after edits and things like that, what came out was only maybe about another another maybe two three weeks on top of that. Wow. Um, so it was a really really fast turnaround. And the the idea itself, um, I I I've always loved comedy. I've always loved stand up comedy, and 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 you know it's it's the old adage if you can't do teach. Well, for us writers, if you can't if you can't do it, then write about it. <laughs> so I, I always I always love I've I've always had that kind of fascination with characters and the work that I've you know, TV movies um, books obviously. Um, I always love a character who 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 you know still can't do it for whatever reason, still can't get that break, or still can't isn't good enough to do something. I I I, I kind of love that. And, Obviously, kind of five, six years ago, the, the, and to a certain degree now as well, there was this real sort of spike in, in stand-up um, comedy uh, where people were going from from literally nowhere, back backwater clubs playing the you know 50, 60 people to suddenly national tours, international tours, starring in movies. You know, people like Kevin Bridges, John yeah. Bishop. You know, the, the, these these um, the, these these bit funny, funny people who who. Really, really rode that that um, wave of popularity in stand-up comedy, and I had this idea of having a comedian, uh, Rob Argyle, who's, who's the kind of lead character. I, I wanted him to, even in this golden age of stand-up comedy, he still can't get a break, you know, for one yeah. reason or the other. More often than not, it is his fault. And that was really the sort of starting block of it. I I I, I tend to start with characters before I well necessarily I I, I kind of have the the plot to build around them. And then obviously the nature of the, the nature of the first book, um, it's, it's about him sort of returning from Glasgow after his really unsuccessful career as a stand-up comedian. His mother's died and reconnecting with his, uh, with his, with his estranged sisters. Um, and, and, and just that sort of, it's a sort of coming, coming of age novel for, 
for a near middle aged man, and yeah. and, and I and I I've always liked that. I've always liked that kind of notion of of, of a character who almost doesn't grow up, you know, and, and, and it's but it's but it's all his fault, you know. And, and yeah, that sort of flawed character is always more interesting than yeah, um, you know, someone who's got everything laid out for them, kind of a thing. Yeah. And and then um, following that, you, you got uh, Hellcorp, um, which uh, in which well, I'll let you summarise it. Do you want to tell the listeners what Hellcorp is? Certainly, it's um, so it's uh, it's about the devil, um, the devil who uh, is sort of sick of being the cosmic bad guy. He's been the cosmic bad guy for eternity, and he decides that he wants a holiday. And he sets up this company, Hellcorp, which is, which is uh, set up on top of Arthur's seat in Edinburgh, um, because he wants to, he wants to get the, the, the sand between his, his cold moves. But God, uh, being the, um, the distrustful character that, that he, he and she is, um, thinks that he might be pulling a fast one. So he challenges him, uh, to, to solve the murder of a, of a man who took 40 years to die. So he's taken out of his comfort zone, plopped into a, a, a human body um, in contemporary Scotland, is it contemporary Glasgow? Even, and uh, he has to he has to solve this murder if he's going to get his going to get his vacations. They say. So it's like, I mean, it's it's such a unique idea and take and setting, and it's got, uh, you know, there's a, as you say, there's this sort of murder investigation yeah. happening, but it's also a very you know, a darkly funny book as well through it. I mean, where where did you get the idea for that? Where did that well, come from? I mean, that, the the thing is, I I I'm a massive massive fan of of, of crime fiction. Um, you know, always always read read copious amounts of crime fiction, and obviously, even Scotland, there is such a rich rich vein and rich rich history of it. You know, Tartan Noir is is, is its own is its own genre. Um. And quite frankly, I never ever thought that I was a, I would be, I'd be clever enough to come up with something that's, that's a proper kind of murder mystery. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of these people that if I was to commit a murder, I'd get caught straight away or <laughs> we'd do it outside a police station or something really <laughs> stupid. Which I suppose is quite a nice thing is in, in, in a sort of roundabout way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Don't want to be a qualified, you know, <laughs> serial killer. Um, but, I, I don't. I, 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 there was an element of there was an element of fatigue for me as well. You know, you guys will know it as well as readers and writers and stuff. And, and we're all the same. You know, we, we live in a golden age of television. We live in a golden age of cinema, of liter, uh, literature as well. Particularly when it comes to the crime fiction. Yeah. Um, and you know, we're spoiled for choice. But my issue is that, or my issue was rather that we've had every sort of detective under the sun. You know, you've had. They're not alcoholics, they're workaholics. They're not workaholics, they're work shy. They're not yeah. work shy, they're drink shy. They don't have some crippling uh, addiction or problem or they're estranged from their family yeah. or they're not estranged from their family. Yeah. Or, so you know, true. it's so true. Every, every, every box is ticked. So I always said that if I was ever going to, you know, um, really kind of get my thinking cap on and, and have a right proper go at this. I wanted, I didn't want that. I wanted a, I wanted a character and I wanted an anti-hero going back to what we were talking about before. That sort of flawed character. And then I, I just had this, I just had this idea about, you know, well, who, who, who could you classify as the ultimate anti-hero? You know, who would be the ultimate anti, anti-heroic figure? Literally anti-heroic figure. 
And you know, regardless of your of your belief system um, and, and faith and, or lack of faith, really, what, what have you, there's always this sort of universal figure of, of, of pure evil who, who, who kind of manifests itself in in, in doctrines as, as as the devil or Satan or Lucifer and these types of characters. And I thought, you know what, I would love to I would love to, to, to put that person in a situation where they have to be the good guy for a change. Mm-hmm. And what would that do? What would that, you know, how, how would they deal with that? And another big, another big, another big part of it, um, another big kind of big motivation for it was I, I love, I love, um, authority figures sort of being cut down the side, you know, really, really pompous authority figures cut down the side. And actually, I, I was reading, um, I was reading an article, uh, earlier today, actually, about Terry Pratchett and, and, you know, the, the, kind of the depths of his, his talent have helped so many people, yeah. um, get through so many different, uh, different emotions and different sort of states and, and, and good and bad things in their lives. And, and he was always a master of that, you know, he could take the, the, the he could take things and, and bring them down to the, kind of street yeah. all with the, all with one sort of cutting comment. And, and with that sort of ringing in my ears, I, I, I thought I'd love to do that with with, a, with this sort of omnipotent persona of, of evil, and, and and you know get him to not want to be the bad guy anymore, and get yeah. him to get him to solve a crime. I mean, actually, bringing up Terry Pratchett, there is there is definitely a a a, a link to good omens um, in yeah. in the in the sense of you know it's it's yeah. good and evil. Yep. And it's not it's, it's not your classic it's not yeah. like a super bad it's like there's uh-huh. it's evil but there's something likable about the evil. Yeah, they're having to yeah. do having to work together yeah. to do something. Yeah. yeah. And and so so you when you wanted to, when it, when the time came to to get these books out there what what kind of path did you go down to try mm-hmm. and share your books? Well, with with, with more relations it was it was a um, it, it was a case of I actually self-published it. Um okay. I think I think I self-published it in October 2014, and I'd, I'd sort of sent it. I'd sent the manuscript out to uh, to a couple of publishers, um, sort of local publishers in Glasgow, and they got in touch with me. I think maybe two, three weeks after I hit go on it, actually, um, and they offered me a contract. So oh, I wow. think the contract was was say the contract for um, more relations was was sort of signed and signed the sale a couple of weeks after I'd hit I'd hit go on 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 the self-publishing route. I think with the Back then, self-publishing was really, really—it was actually really key for me because it was getting my work out to a to, to a, 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 a mass audience, and, and I know that that, that does sort of maintain this sort of snootiness and, and, and snobbery yeah. around yeah. self-publishing. Yeah. It still does exist, unfortunately, in, in fairly large quarters. And I always, always remember just as a sort of side, a side tangent when I when I was first starting to do my journalism, I used to do a lot of music reviews and and, and for my for my shame, and I won't name who who was. <laughs> uh, you who can was tell it. us after. I'll tell you. I'll tell you when when, when the red lights off. Um, <laughs> it was a I I once wrote it was a guy who'd self produced his own his own album and, and what have you. And in fairness, in fairness to me, it wasn't very good. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember writing in the review, you know, we live in we live in a digital age where you don't have the book studio time, you don't have to send, you know, the traditional sort of demo tapes and stuff like that. People can be recording music. Similar situation with writing, you can be writing books and publishing them all within your within your kitchen or in your bedroom yeah. or what. But just because you can doesn't necessarily mean you should. And <laughs> and I know that the I know that with, with the kind of the self publishing market. 
it's it's a fantastic outlet to get your work out to a mass audience and to maybe get you noticed. However, you have to take it seriously, and I think you have to be serious about editing. You have to be serious yeah. about yeah. reading, marketing, and and it's it is a tough gig. It is a hard hard gig to do. Well, we've spoken to a couple of people that have, have self published and actually made a, a success of it, and yeah. yeah, what what came across there is that you you must. Yeah, as you say, you must treat it like it's a like like it's a professional contract, essentially, Absolutely. and it's a job. You need Absolutely. you need to you need to edit it properly, get it properly formatted, and yep. also once it's there, you have to put a lot of time and work and effort yep. into marketing it properly and getting the word yeah. out there. Otherwise, it's just going to die. Yeah, no one's I think pick I mean, the, I suppose it is a kind of double edged sword, isn't it? You know the the ability to put your book out there is is a great thing, but the fact that there's so many folk doing that means you, yeah. you want it to stand out, and that is a full time job, mm-hmm. making it stand out, and polishing it to a level that folk notice it. Uh, absolutely, and 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 the, the people that do make a massive success of it, exactly as you guys say, it, it's the ones who are taking it completely seriously, yeah. and they're treating it seriously, and they're treating it professionally. More importantly, mm-hmm. and and it's and and I, and I do love it. I love it as a format. I really, really do, and mm-hmm. I, I think it, I think. It, it, it's there, and it can give it can give writers, if, it, if nothing else, self belief to, yeah. to, yes, to yes. get out there and, and, and put your work out on on show. Because as I always say, when I, if I'm taking if I'm taking kind of creative writing classes and, and speaking to people, and I'm always asked, you know, what, what's what's your best advice? I always say just write. You know, there's there's no there's no point having the greatest novel that's been in, in the history of mankind sitting in your head or on your hard drive, and that's where things like self-publishing come in yeah. but it, it is a it is a lot of work a lot a lot of work and, and i think a lot of people might not necessarily appreciate that until they get into it mm-hmm. and it's all it is all well and good from you know someone like myself who's who's done it and has now done the traditional publishing route to say that and a lot of it is it, it is experience you know you don't you don't learn these types of things you don't learn the little foibles of it until you are there on the front line and and and, and having to deal with the fact that when you send the work out to uh, to bloggers, to blogs, to you know national review desks and on national newspapers and magazines, and and, and that's what snobbery still exists. You don't know that until you face it head on, and yeah. and and you know all the advice in the world can can can, uh, can can obviously go a long way of helping, but it's it, it's a it's a great education. And again, another another thing that I always maintain for people that are that are wanting to be a part of this industry. And it is an industry, and it is a business. Yeah. Is that um, you know you've got to educate yourself in the in in, in the ins and outs of it, as you would any other job. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Because it is a, it is a job. It is a, a full time job. And so, had you had you kind of skipped over the whole trying to find the agent part, you, um, and you go straight to the publishers? Is I, that what you did? For for more relations, I did. Yeah, I I I'd sort of I'd had a, a, a I'd had quite a, a few sort of um, manuscripts and ideas and things that I did. That I'd, um, you know, kind of knocked around for maybe four or five years beforehand and had gone trying to get, you know, an agent, trying to get publishers, predominantly agents. And then I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think it was a, it wasn't really that sort of light bulb moment. It was just a case of thinking, well, you know, the, na- the nature of being an agent is that it's one more person that you've got to convince to get this book out there. Yeah. You know, and I completely, completely appreciate the the, um, the the hard work that agents do, and all agents do that. And I understand that they've got you know boots and doors and and, and leg ups, legs up yeah. rather in, in in the industry more than more than your average your average bear. Um, 
but I, I think I think I was frustrated. I think I was frustrated in the nature in the nature of it that I thought, well, now that I've finished this book, now that I've finished this idea, it's all ready and ready to go. It, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think I think my journalism background certainly helped because I think I was able to look at it with a lot more of a critical eye mm-hmm. um, and than than maybe I maybe me with my personality would have been able to do if I wasn't you know regularly editing work for for work you know work, yeah. you know words and understanding all that things like that and um, yeah so I I I kind of I pitched it straight to I pitched it straight to, to the uh, the publisher and, and like I said they they were they were absolutely delighted to get it and and I, I was delighted to get my can I get my what you've said there about about having a more critical eye answers one of the questions that I always ask because it's something I struggle with. It's just, um, you know, you can always go back, or certainly I find that you can always go back to something the next day or the next month and say, oh, I could improve that better. Maybe that would work better. And you keep trying to polish and polish and polish and you never really know. Yeah. Oh, you kind of lose confidence that this is properly finished, yep. even if yep. at one point it was. Yeah, you're so close to it, though, yeah. you could have edited uh-huh. too much. Yeah. So, I mean, having that ability through your journalism to to sort of step back and have that critical eye is obviously quite an important thing. Do you, do you show the manuscript to anyone else? or? Um... Yeah, well, my, wife, my wife's both my fiercest critic and my biggest fan, and uh-huh. she, she always... Um, she she's always happy to to, to read and, and, and be brutally honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and she you know she 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 hands out praises when when Adam wins due. Apparently, I, not not that not that idea. <laughs> That's, that that comes with the territory, unfortunately. Um, yeah, and and that 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 really helps. So I, you know, with with the man in the dark, which is out just now, that 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 was a big big that that was a big big change for me because that was the first time that I'd written a written a sequel and it was the first time that I've written anything in a sort of series and uh, what what's in the final book just now um, I'd say maybe only about 10 or 15 percent remains from the first maybe right. one or two drafts and and I and it, it was it was one of those it was one of those scenarios where the the the, the more I went on with the sort of first and second draft the the more I felt this isn't working. This is this is this is getting this is getting out of hand. It it, it went as I've described it since. Um, it went full uh, fast and furious. You know, and I, I use that <laughs> example. You know, you look back at the first two sort of fast and furious movies. They're, they're, they're kind of street racing yeah. films. Yeah. That, now they're whereas, superhero films. Almost. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Precisely. You know, they're, they're, they're jumping cars between skyscrapers <laughs> and nuclear submarines and all this kind of thing. Listen, look. It works for them. That's good on them. You know, these are these are top grossing movies. Um, but for the Hellcorp series and for the second book in, in the series, it, it, it wasn't working. J- just as a little, just a little sort of insight. You know, there was there was Apache gunships and all this kind of crappy one in the, in, in the <laughs> second one, and it I, and I was writing it and I was like, oh, this is great. And then as soon as I finished it, I thought, Do you know what, this isn't this this isn't going to fly for want of a better expression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I ended up dumping maybe about seventy, seventy-five thousand words of the, wow. of the, the book. It was yeah. most of the most of the, the, the start and, and maybe the tail end um, that, that appear in in the current one uh, that, that were in the original draft. But listen, don't don't get me wrong. Um, it needed to be done. You know, it, it had to be done. And, and and the man in the dark, which is on the shelves, is 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 a lot better. Is is a hundred times better. Um, and it was always going to be a lot better than, than yeah. that original draft, you know. 
Um, but some things it has to be done. Some things you have to you have to just take that step back and, and go. Do you know what? This is it. You know. Did did you because it's is it Urbane Publishing that, that publishes yeah. those? Um, yeah. Did you? Do you show it to the? Do you have an editor there that will also look over the yeah. manuscript as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. But did you do the cutting before you gave it to the editor? Yeah, yeah, yeah I did. I did. I um, our band have been have been absolutely fantastic support with with my writing, the, the Hellcorp series in particular, but my writing in general. Um, I, I, we had a just as an aside, we had a um, one of the authors sadly passed away suddenly last October, I think it was, and. And I ended up writing a charity short story mm-hmm. um, for the publisher just at Christmas there that, that made, made raised some cash for the Samaritans, which was which was fantastic. And and that's the sort of level of support that I get, no problem. Oh well, yeah. Um, which which I, I'm 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 really really so grateful. Uh, and I'm sure they'll appreciate me uh, brown nosing. Uh, <laughs> but we've we've kind of skipped over the part where. So how how did you how did you get um. Hellcorp well, uh, with her being how did how did that happen? It, it was a, it was actually a, a fairly similar story actually. Um, you know the, the the kind of nature of what the nature of what Hellcorp is and, and what more relations um, is. They're very very different books. You know, mm-hmm. more relations is a kind of it's still black comedy, but but it's it's about family life and it's a, it's a sort of coming you know, like what we touched on earlier. It's a it's a, a kind of um, a coming of age story, whereas. Hellcorp is a urban fantasy thriller crime novel set in contemporary Scotland. You know, very very different, taking a lot of different boxes, but none of the ones from from earlier. So, um, Ringwood, my my uh, my original publisher, they they weren't interested, and in it. it wasn't something that they were. Um, they, you know, it, it, it wasn't anything that they'd published before, so it wasn't something that was going to fly. So it was a case of uh, of just pitching it to to Urbane. Um, who were, you know, right away again, so, so supportive and so, so keen to, to kind of get it on board and, and, and really sort of, um, really fitted in with their, with their direction and, and still fits in their direction. I'm, gl- I'm glad to see. Um, and again, you know, cannot stress enough how supportive they can be mm-hmm. because that's, that's the thing about it. You know, as, as we've chatted about, um, just now, it's, it ticks a lot of boxes and, and that sometimes can work in your favor as a writer, but also, they can work against you as well because suddenly, you know, it's it's asking who's this audience for? Is it is it too is it is it too many different audiences who might not be? You know, none of them are interested. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to will be interested. You know, and and um, I I always say or I always said when Hellcorp came out that I, it, it was my sort of my my uh, my revenge on 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 bookshops. <laughs> uh, I give I give, uh, I give staff a headache every time my books come in is that they don't know if they should go on regular fiction, go yeah. on crime, yeah. Yeah. fantasy, go on sci-fi, and and I'm glad to say that I've seen it I've seen it on 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 every single one of those shelves <laughs> sometimes at the same time, which is which is which is really cool. So when you when you had the deal with Urbane for Hellcorp, was it a two book deal or did they did they come back to you and say we want another one or did you pitch us one well, as a separate book? I, I, I pitched I pitched Hellcorp as a as a standalone actually, um, and it was a it was a case of um, it, it it was a case of the them really sort of taking they took that on um, just as on a one book deal yeah. and then over the course of you know writing it and and kind of preparing for it coming out, um, I uh, I came up with the idea for the second one. 
So uh, I pitched it to them. I think I, I think I sent the full manuscript to them the week before Hellcorp came out. Um, they went away and considered it, and then it was just before Christmas 2018. I signed the deal for it to come out in September, just there in, in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I did a similar. It's got, I've gone through a bit of a similar situation with the third one, uh, which is which is with them at the moment. Um, no spoilers, obviously. <laughs> But yeah, it, I mean that—that that was the thing. I didn't, I, you know, I—I I, I, I didn't go into writing Hellcorp as a as a with it being a series. Mm. Uh, I mean, I—I I, I left it open ended, open ended enough that should I want to do it, then 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 it's then it's there. But it wasn't it wasn't ever planned out to be this, you know, five, six, seven, ten, twenty book series. Yeah. Um, but you know that said, it's it, it, I, I always kind of pride myself on challenging. Challenge myself as a writer, and, and as I mentioned to you guys before, I've never ever, I've never ever read. Uh, sorry, I've never ever written um, a sequel to any of my books mm-hmm. or, or, or series. And, and, and doing that with the Man in the Dark was 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 a real pretty cool challenge. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it would be interesting to our listeners just how you how you chose to approach a publisher. We, we spoke about this a bit earlier, but how you chose to approach a publisher directly rather than via an agent. Do, do do these small press publishers have guidelines? Do they say they're open to submissions, or did you just sort of pick a few I, I, and just say, just take a chance? I was. Um, I, I think with her being, it was. I remember it was around about Christmas time when I first approached them. That would have been twenty seventeen, I think. Um, and it was actually just by chance that I came across them on on Twitter. Um, Checked out their website, saw what they were into, thought, do you know what, Hellcorp sounds like something that might be right up their alley. And mm-hmm. it was simply a case of, of, of kind of dropping a speculative email to them. Yeah. Um, saying, look, I've got this work. It, it's, 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 it's a full manuscript. Here's my, here's my history. Here's my kind of, my, my CV. Um, would it be something that you'd be interested in? And, and, it, and it really went from there. But, you know, most, most publishers, most independent publishers, um, I think what, what what you'll find is that they'll go through um, they'll go through periods where like unsolicited submissions, which is when an author can send work yeah. to them, uh, they'll go through periods where that's open, and then they'll go through periods where it's closed. Because that's the thing, you know, publishers just like agents, they are inundated with yeah you know, hundreds and hundreds of emails a week um, and, and and pitches a week and stuff like that, and and it really it really does it really you you really have to get be there at the right place at the right time sometimes and it can be a, can be a very very frustrating business again i always i always say that, that anyone who's who's kind of starting out on on that adventure um you know read up on the publisher see what, what they've, 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 uh, they've, they've published in the past look what they're looking for you know see what sort of direction they want to go in and, and then this 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 applies for, for agents as well you know the agents are busy publishers are busy Busy, busy people because it's a busy, busy industry. And the last thing that anybody wants to do is, is send someone an email with whether it's not formatted correctly, if it's not for them, if it's in a genre that's, that they don't represent or what have you. Yeah. You don't stand any chance. It's not, no. it's not, it's just going to get ignored. And, 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 you know, you, you're doing yourself a disservice as a writer. Um, by, by, by not kind of paying attention to the, to the nitty gritty details. And it's something that, you know, as a writer, you've got to do. You've got, you've got to have that sort of eye for detail. You've got to have that, 
that dedication and that professionalism to, to want to want to succeed in this this industry. And actually, it, it, uh, one thing you can do as well is I think was it David Baldacci I think said does that you can the way he found his agent or publisher I can't remember which one it was was that he he found a book that was similar yeah. to his and looked at the acknowledgement section. And that's Absolutely. that's quite a good idea for you know yeah. if you're if you're not sure who do I send this to find similar works to yours yeah. and and look at the acknowledgements and you'll you'll get the names of people yeah. that that is worth worth approaching. Absolutely. And what happened when you when you got the contract through? Did you did you ask anyone for help with that, or did you look at it? Were you worried that you know you might be getting taken advantage of, or what what kind of steps did you do at that point? I mean, I, I've been I've been very very lucky in the contracts that I've been offered for my work. I've I've always been over the moon with them, and 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 I know that I know that that's not always the case with with everybody. Yeah. Um, and there's people that I know who are writers and and, and um, who 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 you know got had some really really bad experiences. But again, that you know that happens. That happens in every walk of life. It's, Absolutely. It's, yes. it's not it's not something that. Um, it's not something that I, uh, the, 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 the military world is, is an exception for. Um, my, my brother is a lawyer, uh, so, so he is, it's always, I always think it's handy to have a lawyer in the, in the family. <laughs> it's quite nice. And his fiance is a lawyer, so, uh, I, I, I gave, I, I gave my, I always do give my contracts to them just as yeah. a sort of once over. But I mean, you know, that, that said, um, I, again, you know, being professional about it, looking over the, the contract, if you have any queries, always just ask. You know, it's it's not yeah. it, 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 it's it, it's ultimately down to your to your ability and your professionalism towards yeah. it. Like I say, I have been very very lucky in in that everything that I've been sent, I've always been uh, delighted with, and, and it's and it's always sort of worked out um, very very nicely for me. Nice. And in terms of your writing process, do you are you as they say a planner or a pantser? Do you do you plan oh, no. everything out or? Oh. I, I, well, I should. I think that's. <laughs> I think that's the, the, the that's the key to it is knowing what you should do, not necessarily what you do. Um, I, I I always I you know I always kind of have, have a bit of a cop out response to something like this, and that I do a bit of both. I know it's dreadful. I know it's, it's <laughs> stuff, but I know that I should plan out more. Um, I, I know that. Well, the, the example I was talking about there with, with the man in the dark. You know, I knew yeah. that if I set out, if I'd set out with a lot clearer a goal or at a point that I wanted to reach um, earlier in that process, it wouldn't have gotten as far and gotten as out of control as it did with uh, with um, with the, 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 the Apache helicopters and things like that. Uh, and and it, 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 but you know, I, I, I say that you know, I, I know that the the the, the book that that, uh, that it became wouldn't have become the book that it is without going through that process. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh-huh. so it's that it's it is it's that sort of double edged sword where you think, well, you can overplan, um, yeah. and if you overplan, you might miss out on something. I, I I have a terrible, I have that 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 dreadful. I'm gonna, uh, uh, you know, this is gonna sound awful coming from a 30 year old man, but that <laughs> awful that awful new phrase, FOMO. Um, <laughs> I, I have that dreadfully when it comes to uh, when it comes to kind of writing and stuff like that, and and I love to. I love to leave it open, uh, you know. I love to leave enough of the book and enough of the plot, and definitely with the characters, uh, I love to leave it open enough that, um, that, that through the process of writing, I, I can try something new with it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, you yeah. know. Because I kind of worry that if I plan too much, if I if I 
compartmentalize it too much, then, then it kind of loses a little bit of its charm, which yeah. is... Yeah, absolutely. You can definitely overplan these yeah. things. Yeah, I think I think if you do plan too much, as you say, you take some of the surprise out of it a little bit for you for yeah. yourself, and 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 you do kind of you kind of blinker yourself a little bit, don't you? You don't see the yeah. possibilities that where it could go because you've already well, I've written it down. This has to happen, so I'm going to write yeah. this bit next. And you don't think about the other options. That said, yeah. of course. You could use a special notebook to plan if, out. If only somebody had made <laughs> some, some sort of notebook. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Well, that, how, 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 you guys are professional. You guys are fucking professional. <laughs> I meant to say planning is the best. To, Sorry, yeah. I love planning. <laughs> <laughs> um, and do you ever suffer from uh, writer's block or that sort of phrase? You know, do you ever get stuck in yeah. in your I, writing? I, I, think, I think it's. I, I, I think it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where um, there, there are times when you just you just can't you mm-hmm. just can't sit you know and, and I, I think I think that's what I get with my I, I think that's my writer's block I, I I don't ever think it's necessarily that I can I, I can't work my way or write my way in and out of something you know I, I think it always just comes down to that you know whether it's general fatigue um, or or you know or that you guys know you guys are writers yourselves. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm very very aware of if I've sat and written a uh, five thousand words because I said I was going to sit down and write five thousand words today and I know that it's garbage. I will stop at five hundred words, you know, and, yeah. and be okay with that. I will be fine with it, you know. But then it it works the other way around when you think, right? Well, you know what? I'll, I'll sit and do a couple of hours with this today, and then you end up writing ten thousand words, and, and it's not all that has to be good, not all that has to be great, but you, you feel a lot better and you get more out of it. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, and, and, and keeping that sort of approach, again, kind of going back to that that process, the writing process that I had with Modern Relations, that was very, very rigid, very, very disciplined, very, very strict. And it was born out of the, it was born out of the fact that I, um, I, I had the facility to do it. You know, it was, I had to go, I yeah, travel yeah. mm-hmm. five minutes a day to work and then 55 minutes back. Yep. And I think it worked. I think it worked for the, I think it worked for that novel. I think it worked for that book. Um, but I know for a fact that as a writer now, five years after, five, six years after I wrote that, it, it just wouldn't work for me because I wouldn't be able to do, I certainly wouldn't be able to write the Hellcourt series and, and the situations and the, the, you know, the dialogue and the type of character you get in those books. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't work in such a, a, a regimented, uh, regimented and fashion. Yeah. So, so I don't do it. It's 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 as simple as that. It's it's a lot more flexible than that, so, which is good. And have you ever wanted to write something other than a novel? Have you ever been tempted to write a, a script or a, or a comic? Certainly, yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I'm a big, big fan. Big, big graphic novel, comics fan. Always have been. You know, grew up, grew up reading them, and and uh, and very, very different. A very, very different approach to, to yeah. the novel. Well, one one thing that one thing that I I kind of deeply not regret it, but I deeply resent. I suppose I don't resent it either. But it's the the, the the kind of the nature of novel writing is that you know you're talking about eighty eighty thousand words usually minimum, um, mm-hmm. and can go all the way up to you know uh, silly numbers, and so there isn't that sort of instant instant gratitude yeah. for it. And yeah. actually, funnily enough, the, the the going back to the to the, the Christmas um, the Christmas Hell Court novel for charity, I found that really really liberating because it was only two and a half thousand words, yeah. and to have you know have the characters that I'm normally slogging away working with a with a you know much longer um, development and much longer window to play around with, 
having the, just sort of reduced that two and a half thousand words was was actually really really cool and, and it was really really great to see it because it was all it was all done it's all done and dusted within maybe about two three days as in going from me having the idea writing it to yeah. the publisher and you know being available for uh, for charity it was all it was all done in a couple of days which was mm-hmm. which was really and yeah, it, I mean, you know, it was it, it, it was nice to do. It was uh, it was really really nice to do and, and sort of see the fruits of the labour all within a short turnaround. Um, but I still I still think that I think the novel writing, I think anything with writing novels is, is is my place to place to be. I did I mean I did I did study did study sort of uh, screenplay writing and, and, and script writing at, at university. Or I was a sort of postgraduate module mm-hmm. at university um, and loved it and and. Uh, and and yeah, a, a very very different world, and, and again, you know, I don't, I, I, I never see, never see never. Yeah. Um, and I'm always always happy and, and always uh, excited to, kind of, to, to have a new challenge with, with my writing because I think it stays off in places, which is yeah. which is always. Yeah. Cool. What was the last book that you read? Uh, the last book I read actually was Victoria the Queen um, oh, yeah. by Baird, the, the kind of non-fiction. And I said, oh, I, I'm sort of in the band, but three quarters of the way through it. It's more of a kind of reference. It's for, it's for a project I'm working on on the, on the side at the moment, um, just away from the, away from the, the, the health corp series. And actually I dropped, I dropped Julia an email, um, last week, I think it was. Like I, I've always sort of, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's a, it, just as a very, very kind of quick, a quick aside, mm-hmm. this kind of project I'm working on can loosely be termed as historical fiction. And one of the, one of the, um, one of the things that sort of put me off doing it in the past, a bit like what I was doing in crime, um, is just the sort of levels of research that you've got to go yeah. through to get that real, that real sort of genuine, authentic feel. Yeah. And, um, I, I was recommended this, this book by Julia Baird, uh, and, it's it's it genuinely is fantastic. It, it's written really really well, and it's not written like a textbook at all. It's mm-hmm. not it's not written like a sort of you know a non fiction reference book at all. And I dropped her an email, you know, um, just uh, out the blue uh, last week um, to tell her that. And I said, you know, it's 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 really really opened up this door um, to me, you know, making leaps and bounds on this project that I'm working on. And she got back to me actually. She got back to me the other day there, and she she was very very grateful. It was, it's just a it's nice. just a real like just a really really cool thing to do and that and yeah. I, again this, this is one of these this is one of these things about being a writer and being a full-time writer is that you know you get to meet all these fantastic people that do yeah. such great work and and yeah. and, and they, they more often than not they have time to to, to get to, to to get back to you and, and and in some cases they get to know you and they become good friends and it's yeah and it's 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 really really awesome it's really really cool so is that is that the book that you're working on next is, it, is that one you can't Going to it's, yeah, it's 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 sort of developed, it's sort of grown arms and legs over the course of the last sort of two three weeks, and it, and it kind of feels that it's sucking me in uh, more and more and more and more, and it tends to be the one that I go to first when I when I turn on the computer if I come home at night. So so I guess we could say that that's the one that I'm working on. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and what was the what was the last film you watched? Uh, last film I watched was The Death of Stalin. I watched that. Oh, oh yeah, brilliant. Last night, I think it was, night, night before, yeah. yeah. And I hadn't, I hadn't seen it again. Massive, massive, uh, Amanda Lenucci fan. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, and, and, no, n- never, never quite gotten into Veep, actually. Never, I, I watched a couple of the, the first episodes and I just, it just never ever kind of struck me. And, and this came out, it's been out for, it might have been a couple of yeah, years now, since 2018. And, 
Um, never ever got a chance to, to go see the cinema. I've been meaning to download it since then. I actually came across it quite by accident on Netflix the other night there and, uh, and watched it and, and thought it was great. Yeah. Thought it lacked, thought it lacked a Peter Capaldi. I, I think, I think it's in a, <laughs> Yeah, always, it's a hard you always TV. need someone yeah, like that. I've still to watch that. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of him as well, but I've not watched that film yet, but I've heard it's good. Uh, and what was the last TV show you watched or are watching? So we are watching a show called Cheer at the moment on Netflix. Oh, I've um, heard about that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's about the, it's a kind of docudrama series which they are, you know, Netflix are, are very, very quickly, are, if they've not already established themselves, they, they, they are quickly developing a reputation for these really, really in-depth um, docudrama series, you know, six, eight episodes that mm-hmm. they behind the scenes. In this case, it's about Navarro College in, in, in uh, Texas who are like the, the college for um, competitive cheerleading. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And, you know, it, it really does shine a light on, on what, what these kids are, are, are going through in terms of, kind of athletics and stuff. And actually, it's actually really, really dangerous. You know, all the kind of flips and, 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 and jumps and stuff. You know, the, the, it, it kind of pulls, it doesn't pull any punches in the series. It shows that this kid's kind of going off and getting checked for concussions and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Stuff. Really, really well shot. Really, really, um, really kind of fascinating to look into something that's, that's actually growing more and more over, over here mm. in the UK. Um, I was speaking to my editor today and, and his, his, uh, his daughter, she, she does it. And it's, mm. you know, the older she's getting, the more competitive it's getting. And, yeah. you know, they, they go to uh, tournaments. Up and down the UK and, and across the Europe, and uh, yeah, a really, really fascinating, really, really well put together show that, cool. that, uh, that uh, it's well worth checking out. Sounds cool. a bit like is it kind of Last Chance You type? Yes, it's very, type very similar. It, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly the same, uh, exactly the same idea, exactly the same concept. I don't know if it's the same people behind it, but it's it's a uh, same feel to it. Exact same feel to it. Cool. Yeah. Looking at you know behind the behind the curtain as it were for the, the what appears to be a very very glamorous very yeah, very yeah. very very kind of um you know a glitzy glitzy uh, thing to do but actually the kind of human cost behind it yeah really fascinating stuff nice and then the very last feature is an either or so if you just choose one of the two options we give you on each of these um, Star Wars or Star Trek Star Wars <laughs> no hesitation. Well, I, I, I can, I, I, you know, I, I said it there. It's Star Wars just because I've always, I, I, we were talking about earlier on. Yeah. I, yeah, I've yeah. Always, always loved it, but I don't, I don't. Uh, I'm very excited about the new Picard series. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That looks, that looks terrific. But yeah, it'll always be Star Wars. <laughs> what did you think of Rise of the Skywalker? Without spoilers, um, in case people haven't seen it. it it's, it's the ninth movie in a multi-factual 40-year-old franchise, then that's, that's it. <laughs> Listen, it's, it's, it's divided a lot of opinion. It's yeah. the, these types of things are always going to... People are going to have opinions about it before they go and see it. Oh, absolutely. Oh, totally, yeah. totally. And I thought, I thought the team that was behind it and what they did, I think, was the best that you could do, given that you've got 40-plus years of lore, yeah. Night movies plus spin-offs plus TV shows plus you know you know X Y and Z when it comes to these things, and if I'm sitting in twenty years time with a ninth uh, Hellcorp movie out, and I, <laughs> it's the best one should, yet. Yeah, I should, exactly. <laughs> and do you know how hard this is? You know, so, but no, listen, I enjoyed it. I mean, of course, of course, I enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, God or the devil. Oh, have to ask that question, of course. Dear, oh dear. 
Gosh, that's hard. <laughs> it's <laughs> shouldn't be hard, should it? Interesting how long it's taken you to. Exactly. There is a, there's very much a right answer and a wrong answer. <laughs> I'm going to go with the right answer. I'm going to say God. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a good person. <laughs> um, a real book or an e-book? Uh, I'll go for a real book. I'll go, I'll, go, I'll go for a real book because I still enjoy, I still enjoy the thrill of going into a bookshop uh, or yeah. ordering something online and it coming and you having that book in a bag. Yeah. I was I was speaking actually, but funnily enough, I, I speaking to them probably some work um just before Christmas, and we were talking about the uh, how you walk around high streets, uh, you know, Princess Street, Buchanan Street, and Glasgow, um, and at Christmas now you don't see the sort of you know the the, the same level of plastic bags that you used yeah. to see. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of designs and stuff. And I always remember growing up and being really, really excited around about Christmas time because you would see what our House of Fraser are doing for their design this year, what are Marks and Spencer's doing for this. And don't get me wrong, it's, well, first of all, was that that's how sad a child I was. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's all, it's all for a very, very good cause and for a very, very good reason why we don't do this. But I still get the, I still get the, the, I still get the thrill of, of, uh, of getting a, buying a book in a shop and putting it in a plastic bag and, and, and going home and actually still seeing people coming out of Waterstones or yeah. you know, Blackwells and stuff and wondering what they've got in that bag. You yeah. know, you see the shape, you think, oh, is that a graphic novel? Is that a, yeah. is a, 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 you know, a, a war and peace or is it something else? I, I still, I still get thrilled from that. No, so, I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a Kindle man because I, I just love the convenience of it, but there's so, always something about a physical product, I think, which is always... Definitely. Always going to be a one-up, I think. Yeah. The smell. Yeah. Sm- I've the got a smell, weird thing. The yeah. smell of books. A new book. Yeah, you're, to- you're a weirdo. I am a weirdo. In a lot of ways, I'm a weirdo. Um, but we won't get into that because we've only run that. Uh, we'll do one more uh, fancy restaurant or a takeaway. Uh, I'm going to go fancy restaurant, and the reason I'm going to go fancy restaurant is that I don't get to eat enough of them. So if again, if anybody's listening who wants to start. <laughs> Go to fancy restaurants that I will more than happily take it. So that was Jonathan Whitelaw. As you heard, if you want to go out to a fancy restaurant, he'll happily join you. <laughs> that's there, the competition there. prize this week, I believe. Yeah, that's right. That's right. No, I thought that was a, a great chat with Jonathan. Yeah, yeah. Um, really good. Just the, I always, I'm interested when we speak to people that don't use agents and go mm. straight to publishers, um, it's a, it's a, it's obviously a route that can work, but it's not one that you're ever encouraged to no, do. No, I was going to say that it goes against a lot of the advice you read online about, mm-hmm. you know, go through an agent because, and I'm sure there are stories of people who've been scammed by publishers and there's a lot of, there's a lot of vanity publishers out there who will, you know, you'll pay them to publish the book and that's never the way the money should flow. But, We've chatted to a few folk now who've done it themselves and made a success of it. Yeah, no, so it's definitely something worth, with that sort of indie small press mm-hmm. publisher, definitely worth something looking at. They've all got submission guidelines, as Jonathan was saying. But as I said at the start of the podcast, we have a couple of competitions to deal with. You know why you're all really here. Yes. So uh, we'll announce the winner of the Dave Cook competition, first of all. Okay. So Tarek, if you could just... Uh, Rummage into the tombola and pick out the winner. Dig in here. And the winner of the signed Dave Cook comic is Samuel George London. Your yeah. Twitter handle is at Samuel G London. Yeah, so uh, thanks for entering, Samuel. And uh, we will. I'll be in touch. I'll drop you a DM and we'll uh, get 
the signed copy of Cooltopia and the Page One Notebook sent yep. out to you. So thanks to everyone who entered that Thank competition. You very much. And as I said, we've got another competition this week, which is to give away a signed copy of The Man in the Dark, which is Jonathan's second uh, book that he was talking about there in the in the Hellcorp series. But not just a book, Marco. No, not just a book. He's also kindly donated a Man in the Dark T-shirt as well, and of course you get the the page one notebook <laughs> as well. So that's a great competition. We're going to run that competition uh, for a couple of weeks. We'll put all the details on our social media, Twitter and Facebook, and that will give you all the information you need to enter the competition. But who do we have on next week? Yeah, next week's episode is is an interview with Christian Devine who you may not have heard of, but I suspect many people will have heard of what he's worked on. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a massive uh, name in the video game industry. He wrote games such as Deus Ex, yep. and uh, more recently, the award-winning games Life is Strange yep. and Life is Strange 2. It was a really good chat we had with him. Oh, it was a, a really interesting Really stuff. interesting uh, chat, even if you're not into computer games yeah. again, which I know is what I always say when we have someone. <laughs> but... Uh, it was really fascinating chat that we had with Christian and um, if you've not checked out the Life is Strange games oh, that, do yeah. even if you're not into computer games because they're they're more almost like a sort of Netflix series mm-hmm. I would say once again it's not it's not a shooter or a Grand Theft Auto mm-hmm. it's a very it is a very Netflix type show small town America mm-hmm. two girls at high school not what you would typically associate with the, with the video game, but it is, it's a fantastically well written piece of work it, and it is the branching pathways and all that stuff that we all love and he has a really, really good chat with them about how you plan all that, how you write all those different sections. So if you're a fan of those games, you'll love it. Yeah, and even if you're not, you will lo- hopefully <laughs> love them <laughs> after after you've listened to Chris and speaking about them. <laughs> and before we go this week, the only other thing I wanted to say was that if you want to get in touch, you can get in touch with us at podcast.rightgear.co.uk. And uh, also, we would love it if you're enjoying the podcast, if you would leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts and rate us, because that really helps the discoverability of the podcast yep. helps pushes up the charts, which helps us get more guests for you to listen yep. to. So it's a win-win for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll just leave you with a few words about page one. See you next week. See you. The blank page. To some, it's terrifying, an obstacle to overcome. But we prefer to think of it as an opportunity, a blank canvas to be filled with all of the adventures and characters in our head. So how to overcome that fear? Well, we all know the best advice for a writer is write. Seriously, get words on the page and more will follow. But what about later, when you start trying to pull those threads of what you've written together? What about the character you wrote about way back at the start? Who was she again? What was she carrying? And where did she leave the MacGuffin that she now really needs in the third act? Think about all those top thrillers you like to read. Or that amazing drama you just watched. What did they all have in common? Structure and planning. As aspiring writers ourselves, we've tried many different methods to try and organise all the thoughts about the stories we want to tell. We've been there searching for a piece of scrap paper to note something down, or making a quick note on our phone in between meetings. Or sometimes we'll make a note in whatever notebook we're carrying, or a document on our laptop so we don't forget that great idea. Let's be honest, it can all be a bit messy and it's easy to lose track of everything. And that's when we realised it's not just a story that needs structure and planning, but the way we gather all of our thoughts about it as well. And so we made Page One. Page One is more than just another notebook. It's a place to put down all your ideas for your latest project. 
divided into easy to use sections that will help you plan your story so that when that blank page comes calling, you're ready to answer. And then afterwards, once it's written, we realised you need to plan how to let people read it, so we included a section relating to submissions. Each one is designed for one project. Whether you want to write a book, screenplay, a comic or any other kind of story, we truly believe that when you use it, it will help you get to the main event, writing your story. So we hope this helps. We can't wait to read what you come up with. And remember, every story starts with page one.